Hello and welcome to Cousin Chat, where we talk about what matters. I'm your host, Donna Pizant, and today I have a special guest because I am celebrating her. We have, well, I have someone on here who is 10 years breast cancer free, and her name is Treva. Treva, say hello to the people. Hi, everybody. I am so happy, so appreciative to be here. You have no idea. I am celebrating the whole month, but I actually celebrate every day of my life. But I digress. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, this is this is all for you. And I'm just so happy that you agreed to do this chat with me. And for those of you who don't know, Treva is also my soror. Uh, we are members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And we were actually in a meeting and at the end of the meeting, you know, we have announcements sometimes. And when she said that this was her 10 year anniversary of being breast cancer free, it just, it, something clicked in me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I have to celebrate her on this podcast. I always do um, a breast cancer awareness you know, podcast in the month of October. And so, yeah, we did one already, but I said, well, it's still October. So I'm going to celebrate my sister. And so that's what I'm doing today. So this episode is not necessarily for awareness, but as I said before, I just want to celebrate her. Well, I'm looking at you and I'm talking to you. So I want to celebrate you, Trina. Yes, thank you. Yes. And so in doing that, I still also would like for people to hear a little bit of your story. So if you don't mind, if you could just take us back to a little bit, because I still want people to understand that, you know, even though we you're here now, I still want people to hear about how you got here, because I want them to know they too can get here because it, it is a journey, but they can, they can get here. You know what I'm saying? So if you could take us back just a little bit, um, because I remember you telling me a little bit about a story about um, how your whole mindset got shifted, you know, from negative to positive. And if you could just tell us a little bit about that, um, that would be great. Sure, sure. Um, you know, every time I think about this, it takes me to a place where I was so fearful to a place where I'm now victorious. So I am very open to sharing my story. And I remember it as if it was yesterday, April of 2011. Um, I actually was getting prepared to go to a human resources convention in California and was taking both of my kids because I had a whole itinerary planned where we were I would go to the conference during the day. I would take them on day trips, San Diego Zoo, all other eventful places. And I woke up one morning, felt like someone had their hand on my chest. And I looked down and I could see this lump. I have never been big breasted. And I could see the lump in between my two breasts. And I said, that's kind of odd. And I said, why does it feel like someone is pressing on my chest? Got up went into the bathroom, looked in the mirror. It was very visible. So I said, hmm, I guess I need to check this out before I get on a plane. Mm -hmm. I had about a week and a half to go. So I got to work, 
busy as always, was actually leading the hiring event that day. And I had everybody in the HR department, you know, just really delegating what we needed to do. Multitasking as usual, pick up the phone, speak to my doctor. And yes, I am one of those people that need a personal touch. I don't like automation. I like to talk to my doctor. So uh, she called me back when I left the message and I told her what my concern was. And she said, uh, you need to get that checked out today. I said, well, it need to be today. And she said, yes, I can get you in at one o'clock at Inglewood Hospital. I needed to be back for the career event at five o'clock. So I was like, I have enough time. So I told the people who needed to know, listen, I got to run to the, the hospital. I got to get some tests. I should be back in time enough. Does anybody want anything to eat? They were like, yes. I had all these orders. I get to the hospital. They're doing their tests, you know, mammograms, you know, no matter, no matter how big or small your breasts are, it hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I take the test and they look at me and go, we need to take the test again. I'm like, okay. By the time they said the third time they needed to take the test, I became a little concerned because I looked at the clock, it was about 3.30. They called me in for a fourth test. And when I had to sit in the waiting room and I looked at the time and it was quarter to five, I said to myself, something's wrong. And no one but my coworkers know where I am. So I took out my phone. I texted my sister who lived in the city, uh, who worked in the city. And I said to her, I'm at Inglewood Hospital. I'm at the breast center. And I think there's a problem. I guess she didn't get the message. So I was called into an office, a little four by four, Literally, the nurse said to me, you have cancer. And I was so shocked. I said, say that again. And she said, you have cancer. She said, but I'm, I'm going to make a promise to you. We're going to do everything we can to help you beat this. That was the end of the conversation. I said, oh my God, I got to go. She says, is there anyone who can come meet you? And I said, no. So as soon as I left Inglewood Hospital. I'm standing outside getting ready to get my car. Usually I call my sister. It goes right to voicemail because she's that busy. I happened to call her. She picked up on the first ring. I said, did you get my check? She said, no. I said, I'm sick. She said, what do you mean you're sick? I said, I have cancer. She was like, you got to be kidding me. Now I have to tell you, I only have one sibling. We are eight years apart. We lost our mother at the age of 46, and I had to go through the court system to get custody of my younger sister, 24 years old, and I have custody of a 17-year-old. So I had to grow up quickly. So now I'm in shock. She's like, go home. I'll meet you at the house. She must have got there in record time, or I must have drove around aimlessly. Not sure, but she ended up at my house right behind me. All I'm thinking is, oh my God, I am ill at the age of 46, at the age our mother died. And our mother died of an asthma attack. So it was a little bit more than I could handle because I had uh, a senior in high school and I had uh, a child in middle school. So, or getting ready to go to middle school. And I was just like, this is so crazy. Life, you know, You cannot manage your life. Life manages you. So by the time she got to my home, I looked at her and I said, 
I'm just not ready to meet mom and dad. It's just too soon. I got too much to do. And I have these two and I can't imagine them going through the loss of their mother the way that we went through the loss of our mother. I just could not fathom them carrying such a load like that. So I actually looked up from my sister, looked up towards the, you know, the ceiling and I said, you're going to have to take me kicking and screaming. I'm just not ready to go. And please keep me here because I have so much more to do. So, you know, it was time now to really get a lot of appointments because you have to find a breast surgeon. You have to find um, uh, a plastic surgeon. You have to find an oncologist. There's so many doctors that need to be able to work together and there's an ebb and flow with everyone, right? And you need to be on top of it and have someone go with you to the appointments because as the patient, every time they tell you something, you're in shock and you kind of get stuck there, right? So you're hearing half of what the people are saying. So thankfully I had my sister with me at every appointment I went to. So it was we, I was able to pick a breast surgeon, not knowing what was needed. And the breast surgeon sent me for multiple tests. And she called me into her office and her name was Dr. Faith. And I knew there was a reason for me being with her. Wow. She looked at me, she looked at my sister and she said, I have to tell you the cancer has metastasized. Now, when the cancer travels through your body, there is a real risk of you not managing the cancer, right? Um, Because it means it's traveling. It goes through your lymph nodes. And mine's had metastasized. So I was I was labeled with stage 2B cancer. And cancer can go from zero to stage four. I had stage 2B and metastasized. And they give you the option of having a, a double mastectomy, a partial mastectomy, or you can have pieces of the cancer taken out. Now, I'm the first in my family have cancer and if it already had metastasized I'm a pretty you know straightforward person I said in order to stop it from traveling I truly believe I need a double mastectomy so I prayed on it talked to myself talked to others and I said the breasts don't define me so I opted to have a double mastectomy so now you need a a plastic surgeon who's going to be in the room when you're having your your breasts removed that can put uh, expanders in to shape your body to then put the implants in, right? So it's a whole coordination of services. Um, I found out the week before my children and I were going to California. And with all the tests that I had before I leave, I was told not to do any hefty living. Now, I'm so used to doing things and being so independent, I can carry my luggage, but after all the tests I had, it really was stress on my upper body, right? With my muscles. So I had to tell my kids before I left, I said, oh my God, they need to know because I'm not a good liar. I don't have a poker face. Um, So I sat them down maybe about couple of days before we were leaving and they took it 
they took it very hard. My youngest, she lets her emotions out, so she cried. My son, I think he was in denial, so he kind of went about his business. He actually walked away and went about his business. So I said, you know, we need to talk about this. He was like, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. I wouldn't bring anything to you unless I knew. And I said, listen, we're still going to this conference, our vacation. We still have an itinerary, but I need you all to carry the bags. That's how I ended it. And everyone started laughing. I said, as long as you all are carrying the bags, we are marching forward. So we went on vacation and I really made it a memorable vacation because I wanted them to to remember. My fear was if I didn't make it out of surgery and something happened, I wanted them to have the best time that they could with me. I actually got on the phone and started calling all family members, all friends, anybody literally that I saw in the supermarket and they said, how are you doing? I said, listen, not good, you know, I have cancer. And they were like, Trevor, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And what I and they were like, well, what do you need from me? I said, I need you to keep me in your prayers. And if something happens to me, be there for my kids. That's what I told everyone. Because being a person who lost a parent at an early age, what happens is people mean well and they're there for the funeral. They're there to give you food that first week, but people go back to their own lives, right? And then you're left in the silence to deal with your grief. And I just said, no, we have to do differently. We have to be a village that really supports these young kids who become motherless daughters or motherless sons. You need to be able to support them. So that was my ask of everyone. So somehow, you know, we went on the vacation, had a good time, came back, and I'm going to the doctors every other day because it was diagnosed in April. And then my doctor finally told me I had to have the surgery sooner rather than later. I'll never forget, my surgery was scheduled for May 31st. And I sat at my desk when they called me and I cried because I was so afraid. I said, can't we wait? Because my son was having his prom June 2nd. So how can I have surgery May 31st and be there for his prom? Do you know how long I've waited for that? Right? That's monumental. We went to the same high school, so I wanted to kind of pass the torch. And I'm like, wait, wait, this is interfering in my plans. And they were like, my doctor said to me, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to his prom or you want to go to his graduation? You can't do both. And when she said that, I fell apart because I was like, I have to make a choice. So I said, I want to be here for his graduation. So we got ready. I'm going through acceptance. I'm going through fear. And then at one point I went through anger. I was so angry because I was like, why me? I thought I did everything in life that I was supposed to do to be under the radar, to really just enjoy life and stop having such tragedies. Because we lost a lot of our family members very early in life. And I couldn't believe that this stigma I thought was going to continue. So I happened to be one morning, didn't feel like going to work, was on um, one of the main thoroughfares and stopped at the cleaners. I see my pastor out the side of my vision coming into the cleaners and I actually turned because I had on a sweatsuit and didn't think he would notice me. So I quickly walk out when he's coming in 
And I'll hear somebody coming out behind me and he goes, Trina? And I said, oh my God, he knew who it was. And I said, yes. And I had the armor up like, you know what? I really don't feel like being bothered right right now. I really don't. And he said, I heard what's going on and I'm praying for you. And my whole demeanor just like changed because I said, my pastor has a church full of people. I didn't know he knew me personally. So he says, I said, and I looked at him and I said, I'm so angry. He says, I know you are. He says, but you know what? You have those two kids to live for and they need you. I remember that conversation as if it was yesterday. One, I didn't know he knew who I was. Two, he actually knew my family makeup because I was divorced, new to the church and had these two kids. And I said, oh my God, he knows who I am. So it really, it really felt good, right? which gave me a whole different look or outlook in life. Cause now I'm like, you know what? He's right. I have a reason for being here and I need to participate in this process. I need to participate in an optimistic way so that when I wake up, I can make a difference. Yeah. So that conversation with him really was a turning point for me. Do I say that it was easy? Absolutely not. That was a hard way to go. Um, but I'm here to talk about it. So that, for that, I am grateful. And anybody that's listening to your story, you know, especially anyone who has children, they get it. Right. Right. You know, they get it. And, and you know, I, I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I know she didn't pick up the luggage. I know she didn't pick, like, just waiting to hear no. you say, no, I, I didn't. pick up the luggage and I'm like, oh. She didn't pick up the luggage. No, <laughs> no, no. no, if you know, if you, if you, if I'm having a conversation with you and um, I'm a person that follows the rules, if you tell me this is what you should and should not be doing, I'm going to follow it because I don't want to harm myself or harm anyone else. So right. I, I believe in following the rules. And your story is, is a little similar to like Jackie. Hers was the one I aired. Um, at the beginning of the month in terms okay. of following to the doctor's orders, listening to what the doctor says. The doctor said, move, let's move. You know what I mean? And it sounds like, you know, when the doctor gave you the choice, like, do you want to go to the prom or do you want to go to the graduation? You know, because he, he, her doctors also wanted to move quickly. You know, right. let's do these surgeries as soon as possible. And it right. sounds like yours were kind of acting the same way. You know, right. as soon as we can schedule it, let's get this thing going, you know. Absolutely. And I'm glad I listened to them because yep. the next, so when I had the surgery on May 31st, the next day I was on morphine because it was that painful, right? Um, so I was in and out of consciousness, but I do remember a conversation with the doctor who told me, I'm glad you decided to have a double mastectomy. And I said, Why? And she said, we thought there was one tumor. There was multiple tumors in there. So they carved out everything, right? So that's what you hope for when you have surgery with cancer, that they get it all out. Um, because then they have to do, you know, x-rays and, and make sure that it's clear that the, that I can't think of the word now. I think it's margins are clear. Um, and fortunately for me, it came back clear. Right. But that's the first part in the in the hurdle and the obstacle course. Right. You have the surgery. 
then they decide, do you need radiation and chemo? Do you jump right to chemo? You know, um, depending on what type of cancer you have, right? So mine was hormonal cancer. So they did not believe I needed chemo because everything came back so clear, but they do believe I needed uh, radiation and to take a pill which is called tamoxifen. Well, I wanted somebody to tell me why I had to do radiation. And one doctor told me, oh, because when we've done study on multiple women in your age range, that's what we do. I said, I am not interested in what you do for multiple women. I want to know what you're doing for me. So clearly I didn't go to that uh, doctor to get radiation, right? I wanted to find a doctor who would really customize and pay attention to me. Um, so I ended up going for radiation. That was tough because your skin is actually burning, right? Um, but God doesn't give you no more that you can handle because at my last uh, session where I thought I couldn't take any more, they were like, that's it. And I was like, you mean I don't have to come back anymore? And they were like, yeah. So that was a celebration in itself. But then I had to start the hormonal treatment, which is called tamoxifen, which is a pill that has its own side effect that you have to learn to live with, right? At one point, I went to the doctor's office and I was like, I don't want to take this anymore and I'm not taking it anymore. And she looked at me and said, do you want to live? And I said, wow. She said, I suggest you keep taking this, this pill. So initially I had to take it for five years. Then a new study came out and said, people who were taking tamoxifen for five years really should take it for 10 years. Uh, because it'll help them avoid having cancer again. So, yes, I was one of those people tapped on my shoulder and said, Trevi, you need to take it an extra five years. I cried because I didn't want to take it. But I am happy to say that here we are in this year, 2021. In July, I was able to stop taking it. So I was doing a dance because I was like, yes. <laughs> And if anybody knows Treva, she is a dancer. <laughs> Full of energy. Treva, I swear you are a ball of energy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always feel like there's been so much tragedy surrounding me that you gotta enjoy life, right? Yes, and, and you do. I, I do. My, I love to dance. I love to sing. I don't sing very well, but I love. I will sing with the best of them. And I just want to, you know, when it's my time to go, I can say that I really enjoyed my life. And I enjoyed the people that I surrounded myself with, right? Not saying I'm trying to go anywhere anytime soon, but, you know, things like this, major health issues, has you change your perspective on life. You you appreciate people. You appreciate the, the milestones. You appreciate the little mountains that you're able to, to cross over. And you appreciate the discrepancies in life too, because we can agree to disagree, but doesn't mean I don't love you any less, right? Okay. We just need to be able to figure out how we can get through this because time is too short to, 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 to be so angry and bitter towards people. And I refuse to do that. Gosh, you know, everybody, I'm so glad you guys, uh, you know, came along for this ride today. And Treva, thank you so much for being here. You know, guys, if you want to follow Cousin Chat, and I hope you do, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to listen to the podcast, you can catch us on um, 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other streaming platforms. Also, you can go to our website at cousinchat.com. That's C-U-Z-N-C-H-A-T dot com. And we always like to leave you with something to think about. And so for the takeaway today, I would just say, you know, celebrate life. You know, she already talked about, you know, just, you know, life is too short. You know, you have to celebrate the the even the little moments celebrate yeah. the, the big moments of course but even the little things and it's there's no time to be angry I mean especially right. after the years not the years but the year or year and a half we've had yes do you have anything to add to the takeaway so I would love to add as I celebrate this 10th year we will be walking on October 30th in the making strides against breast cancer walk that is supported by uh, the Coleman Foundation. It will be at the Meadowlands. If you are available, join Team MAD. That's M-A-D, standing for Make a Difference. We'd love to have you, love to have your support. And um, everyone just keep living, keep healthy, living, going, and smile. Thank you. All right, until we come back to our next chat, I'm Donna. I am Treva. And... That's it, everybody. Be blessed. Bye.